All right, now let's continue on. Since Monday's going to be Feast of Trumpets, let's come to Leviticus 23. And what we're going to do, we're going to do some surveying. So we will see how the Old Testament and New Testament work together like a hand and glove. Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, Concerning the appointed feast of the Lord. Now you go back to Genesis 1.14, where God set the sun and moon in their positions for days and months and seasons and appointed feast. Okay. He did that on the fourth day. Some people want to know why he did it on the fourth day. Well, because everything he created after the fourth day, especially the birds and the things that he created in the water, they need to know where the sun is and where the moon is in how they live and function. For example, to this day, the sea turtles come at the set appointed time of the moon to come and lay their eggs up on the sand of the, the shores. Okay. And they find their way by the placement of the sun or the moon. So that's why he did it on the fourth day, I think. Okay. Pointed feast of God. Now notice which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation, even these are my appointed times. Now, he didn't say that he gave them to the Jews alone. Okay? And remember, there were 12 tribes of Israel, not one. Notice the first one. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is the Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Now, you don't have to turn there, but we'll, we'll quote it. Mark 2, verse 27. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now, it's very interesting in the Greek because it is in the possessive tense, meaning he owns it. So, if Jesus owns the Sabbath, the question remains for the Protestants, why do they keep Sunday? Which then raises another question. Can a man change a commandment of God to suit his own desire? No. What happens when that occurs? All you have to do is look at the world today. Okay? Then he says, verse 4, These are the appointed feast of the Lord, holy convocations, which you 
shall proclaim in their seasons. Then it lists the Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Day of Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, last great day, laid out all in Leviticus 23. Okay? Now, that's why I'm not going into detail in them, because we're going to do some comparisons here. Now, we've already covered it concerning the Sabbath. Okay? So let's come back here to Colossians, the second chapter, that we covered last week, but we'll just review it again this week, and see the structure of it, and then we will see, well, what about in the New Testament? Now, as we're turning back to Colossians again, this time the second chapter, Remember the incident when the rich man came to Jesus and said, Oh, good master, what should I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus said, Why call me good? There's one good, and that's God. Now stop and think about that for a minute. Why did he say the only one who was good was God in heaven? Because in the flesh... The only begotten through Mary, he inherited in his physical being the law of sin and death. What he had to have in order for him not to sin and to become the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. So therefore, he didn't mention the Sabbath day When talking to the young man, he said, keep the commandments. Well, everybody in Judah and Jerusalem kept the Sabbath in those days. No question about it. They knew where the temple was. They understood that. Okay. So he listed the commandments that apply to the inner relationships of people. That doesn't mean the Sabbath shouldn't be kept. Because in Mark 2.27, he's Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? Now, let's look again, survey Colossians 2. Now, we're going to see, as we go along, a pattern. Okay? It is, number one, a warning. So you might make that A, a warning. And then we will see there is B, the truth. And it's A, B, A, B, A, B, four times coming down through the chapter. So let's pick it up here in verse 3. That is in God the Father and Jesus Christ, verse 3. And whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that is pertaining to what God wants us to know. Verse 4. A, warning. Now this I say that so that no one may deceive you by persuasive speech. And that's what people get persuaded by. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing and beholding your order, 
and the steadfastness of your faith. Therefore, A, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, be walking in him. So he's telling them to walk in the way of the Lord as they had received it. Okay, that's A. Okay, continuing with A, being rooted and built up in him. And being confirmed in the faith exactly as you were taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Then the next verse is a warning again. Because to hold to the truth and live by the truth, as you know, we have to be faithful and diligent. And that's one of the reasons that we have the Sabbath every seventh day. Because if we didn't have it every seventh day, what would happen? We'd all get wandering off in different directions. Okay? So here it is, A again. Be on guard. Okay? Now go back and read verse 4. That no one may deceive you. Be on guard, verse 8 so that no one take you captive through philosophy. Now, these were equivalent to the priests of the pagan temples. Remember Paul came to Athens? They had devotions and statues everywhere, and even the devotion to the unknown God. So Paul was inspired to tell him when he was talking to all of the leading think tanks of their day at the Acropolis, I saw you had a devotion to the unknown God. Him, I'm going to preach to you. Okay? So he preached about God who created all men, Christ, they need to repent, and so forth. Okay? Be on guard so no one take you captive through philosophy and vain deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the elements of the world, and not according to Christ. Now then, what does that do for all traditions that men have devised? Hmm? Think about it now. The Catholic Church is nothing but tradition. And in this conclave of Islam, they don't mention the name of Jesus Christ. Amazing. Okay. So, Sunday keeping is what? A tradition. Okay. What she says here, according to the elements of the world and not according to Christ. Okay. All right, here we come back to B. For in him, that is in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, not in the philosophy and the teachings of men. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Above everything in the world, above all the religions in the world. Okay. 
in whom you have been circumcised with a circumcision not made by hands. All right? That's the circumcision of the heart. That's getting rid of the carnal-mindedness with receiving the Spirit of God. And the only way is through repentance and baptism and the receiving of the Holy Spirit of God. See? So think about that in relationship to the next time you see Franklin Graham on television say, pray this little prayer with me. See? That's not going to bring you to Christ because there needs to be repentance. He said, forgive me my sins. Didn't say what sin is. Sin is a transgression of the law. See, that's in the New Testament. Okay. You have been circumcised with a circumcision not made by hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay. How does that work? When you have the Spirit of God, you are always going to be on guard so that you don't go sinning. Okay? Now notice, our dedication to God, this ties in with Romans, the sixth chapter. Having been buried with him in baptism, by which you have also been raised with him, through the inner workings of God, who has raised him from the dead. For you, who were once dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses. All of your sins, all of your trespasses, everything and has blotted out the note of debt against us with the decrees of our sins. Now, that's the best translation of that. The Protestants believe that he nailed the commandments to the cross. But that's not what it says. What was nailed to the cross? Jesus Christ, right? What did he represent? He represented a sin offering for all of humanity, past, present, and future. Because he's the one who made us. He's the one who made Adam and Eve. And all of us have the genes and chromosomes which came from them. Okay? All right, now notice. Having blotted out the note of debt against us with the decrees of our sins, which was contrary to us. Now, are any of the laws of God contrary to us? Or are they not what we should be doing? All you have to do is look at the world today and see how they're violating all the commandments of God and what is the world like today. Well, Jonathan Kahn has it right in that respect, the return of the gods. Okay? Decrees of our sins, which was contrary to us, he has taken it away, having nailed it to the cross. Okay? 
Now, that's quite a thing. That's a good summary of everything that Jesus did right there. Okay. Now, verse 15. After stripping the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them and has triumphed over them in it. That means through the crucifixion, he has conquered all of the evil of all the things of Satan and the sins of the world. But he does not apply that sacrifice except to only those who truly repent and God calls. Okay? Because the ones that God called, it works like this in every one of our lives. Here you're going along, your life is all messed up, you don't know what anything there is about God and what you know about God, you can't find anywhere that that you're looking. And then God has mercy and reaches down and does something in your life, and it's kind of like turning on a light. Bing! Okay? And you begin to understand what God has said in his word. Now then, Let's ask a question. Were the Colossians in Christ? Yes. Have they had their sins forgiven through the baptism of Christ? Received the circumcision of the heart? Yes. Okay. What was their conduct? How was the rest of the community looking at them because Colossae was a pagan city. And so now they were doing things that formerly they saw the Jews doing. Because the only ones who kept the Sabbath and the holy days were the Jews wherever they were scattered with their synagogues. Okay, And where did Paul go first? to the synagogue. I imagine the different synagogue rulers dreaded to see Paul come and visit their synagogue. (laughs) Because almost every place he went, it ended up being a riot, either in the synagogue or out in the city. Okay? Why? Because he was going against Judaism, which said, You can't even be in the same room with Gentiles. Okay. So in a synagogue, what did they have? They had the section for the men, section for the women, section for the proselytes who had to be circumcised in order to be there. Now, here Paul comes baptizing And they're not circumcised in the flesh because they're receiving the circumcision of the heart through receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, what do they do and how does their behavior change that makes other people criticize them? Okay? Happened like this with me. I was cooking at this restaurant. It was Kibby's Drive-In. Okay. And 
I began to learn about everything. God was calling me, and I knew I had to keep the Sabbath. First thing I quit doing was eating my bacon and tomato sandwich every night before I went went uh, on shift, okay? And when I quit it, the first thing I noticed, I wasn't burping all night. Huh. See? So was God right? Don't eat the unclean things? Yes. Okay. So then I told the manager, now I need to have off from Friday night to Saturday night, uh, sunset to sunset, and he looked at me and said, well, why do you want that? I said, because of my religion. And he looked at me and said, when did you become religious? <laughs> See? And keeping the Sabbath was a difficult thing. So I said, all right, I'll look at the schedule. So he went back and looked at the schedule, and he came back and he said, can't do it. So I said, could I look at the schedule? So I went back there and I saw a way I could do it. Friday in the daytime, I could come. Okay. That would be from 8 to 4. Okay. And the chef would have Friday off. And he would love that because the chef had to prepare for the weekend. So I said, all right. If you can give the chef Friday off, I'll come in and work. And then, after sundown on Saturday, I'll come in for the graveyard shift and work from 1 till 8. So he accepted it because he didn't want to lose me. Okay, But the first thing he said was, when did you become religious? All right? Now, Read verse 16 with that, okay? Therefore, do not allow anyone to judge you. Anyone who? Not in the church. Anyone living around you. See, because now you're doing things differently. You are not coming to the pagan temple. You're not coming to the synagogue. See? Do not allow anyone to judge you in eating or in drinking because they had a lot of, you know, let's get drunk and all that sort of thing. We have them today. Now notice, with regard to a festival. Now how can anyone judge you about a festival you're keeping if you're not supposed to keep it? So, Protestants say, this does away with keeping them. This does away with the Sabbath. No, just the opposite. It's showing that's what they were doing. With regard to a festival or new moon, now that's a calculated Hebrew calendar. Okay. Or the Sabbaths. Huh. Now, it doesn't say, don't be keeping these because those are for the Jews. It says, don't let anyone judge you in your keeping these. Why? Okay, verse 17. 
which are a foreshadow of the things that are coming, but the body of Christ, meaning let the body of Christ, those in the church, make judgments concerning the festivals and Sabbaths. Okay. All right. Now, isn't that interesting? How is prophecy understood? Got a big, thick book. God's plan for mankind revealed by his Sabbath and holy days. Tells what? The foreshadowing of all the things to come. And gives us understanding, especially in these days, of the book of Revelation. And the things that we read earlier of what's happening, all the pieces are being put in their proper positions for the final fulfillment in preparation for the return of Christ. So that's what it's doing. Okay? Which are a foreshadow of the things that are coming but the body of Christ. Now then again, A, do not allow anyone to defraud you of the prize in doing his will in self-abasement and worship of angels, intruding into things he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his own carnal mind. See? That's what we have in the world, right? Where did we start? Isaiah 8.19, right? To the law and the testimony. Okay. Verse 19. And not holding fast to the head. All right. If you do the things of the world in place of doing the things of God, you are not beholding the head who is Christ. Okay. Now notice. And not holding fast the head from whom the whole body being supplied and knit together by joints and bands is increasing with the increase of God. Okay? So, this tells us not to do the things that the pagans do. All right? Now, let's look at some of the things. Let's come to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We know about the Sabbath. Paul taught on the Sabbath. They kept the Sabbath day. Okay. We also know this. When was Christ crucified? He was crucified on the 14th day of the first month. The Passover day. That is the Passover day. Okay. The Jews do it on the 15th. Because of several reasons, I won't go into it, but we have, you know, Judaism, a revelation of Moses, or a religion of men, and we have scripturalism versus Judaism, which is an in-depth study in it, okay? But let's read what Paul told the Corinthians, who were former pagans, and in a city that was as sexualized as anything we have in the modern world. And even in the church, sin got so bad within the church that they knew that a man was sleeping with his stepmother 
and they didn't do anything about it. Okay. So God says here in verse 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit together with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he had to be put out. You can't have overt active sin like that, and everybody's talking and gossiping about it saying, Oh, well, that must not be too bad a thing with the grace of God. You know, that's what they do today. Okay. How do you think that the the church, the so-called Christian church, came to have the drag queen for celebration of their bingo games? Huh. And then they had special services for adults beginning at 830. I wonder what those were like. Okay. In a church called Christian. Obviously, they don't read the Bible. So he says, your glorying is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now here we're going to learn a lesson. What is the Feast of Unleavened Bread all about? Okay. Verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven. That's what God says. Right? Get all the leaven out of your house. I don't want to see it any place. And that's for the days of unleavened bread, the feast that we keep, and we see that they will keep. They kept. So that you may become a new lump. That's called conversion. Okay. And Christ, what did he say? About the broken bread, this is what? My body, which is broken for you. Okay. Now, we are to become a new lump, even as you are unleavened, because they unleavened their homes. For Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And then we find in 1 Corinthians 11 about how to keep the Passover and taking of the unleavened bread and the wine. Okay. For Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. For this reason, let us keep the feast. So what were the Colossians doing? Keeping the feast, right? And don't let anyone judge you for doing it. Okay. Let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So that's what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is. So what do we find so far in the New Testament? Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. He owns it. Christ died on the Passover day. He is our sacrifice. We are to keep the Passover. We are to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay? Now, Let's go on and see some other things. All right? Let's come to Acts, the second chapter. Okay? Now, let's go to Acts, the second chapter, while we're turning there. We can also know that the Ten Commandments were given to Israel, all gathered around Mount Sinai, 
on the day of Pentecost. Okay. Now, it's a little technical to get all of that lined up, but we've got all that taken care of. Okay. Now, notice, Jesus told them, you go to Jerusalem and you stay there until you are endued with, with power. Okay. So, chapter 2 shows when that happened. And when the day of Pentecost, that is the 50th day, now, when we get to that, we'll explain how to do that. Now, notice the next phrase, was being fulfilled. In other words, the Jews were there at the temple keeping it. Okay. And this is why it had to be at the temple that the Spirit of God was given. Because if it, if it was given in Galilee, you think that it would have been accepted? You think they would have believed that was the hand of God? No. It had to be where God placed his name that he gave his Spirit to those who repented on that day, the day of Pentecost, the same day that God gave the commandments to the children of Israel. Okay. So, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the rushing of a powerful wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting and appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them the words to proclaim. And this was to announce about Christ, his death, his crucifixion, and his resurrection to whom first? The Jews. Where? Right at the temple. So this was a powerful witness. Now, question, what if they weren't there on Pentecost? they wouldn't have received the Holy Spirit. See? And who were the only ones that received the Holy Spirit, even though they saw what? The power of speaking in different languages. Well, after it was all done, here's what Peter said. Verse 36, chapter 2. Therefore, let all the house of Israel... Know with full assurance, not a single doubt, that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now remember, that's after the apostles were seeing him and with him for 40 days. So they knew. You talk about conviction because not only did they they see him, they heard him speak, they understood what he, he was telling them, and they had their minds opened up with the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Verse 37, And after hearing this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So the thing is this, when people find themselves sinners, what should they do? Repent and be baptized. You don't hear that today. 
Jonathan Kahn doesn't say that. And he doesn't preach much about the Father. I've rarely heard him say very much about it. But he does somewhat. Okay. So I hope. Let me just say this. I hope God deals with him and leads him to repentance. See? That would be a tremendous thing if he would. Okay? So Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you yourself shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises to you and your children and to all of those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God, notice, may call. So how many do you suppose were there at the temple? We don't know. They could hold a lot of people there, many thousands. But only 3,000 were called and baptized. Okay? So that's quite a thing. All right? Now let's look at some other scriptures concerning Pentecost. All right? So that we see that it was kept. Let's come here to Acts 20 and verse 16. Okay. Now here's Paul making a trip to Jerusalem. So let's see why he hurried off so he could get there. Acts 20 and verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail by Ephesus. He didn't want to go by and stop at Ephesus because he did not want to spend time in Asia for he hastened in order to be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, if possible. So, now we find in another place, so let's look at that, that he stayed, let's come to that here, uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8. So this shows that the holy days of God were kept outside of Jerusalem. Okay. This is verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16. For at this time I will not stop to see you, but hope at some time in the future to stay with you, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. So in the first place, he went past it. In the next place, he stayed there in Ephesus and kept Pentecost. Okay? Now, we can do the same thing. We find the rest of the holy days in the New Testament are brought out in the book of Revelation. And we see the fulfillment there. So that's the key. This is where it all begins. And this is what God wants us to do. And to give us the understanding of what he is doing. Now think about that. Think about how many people there are in the world. And he says, many are called, but few are chosen. 
And so the few, that's what we have here. And the few, we have on the live streaming. Okay? But God has called us to develop the character that he wants in us spiritually so that we can be kings and priests, as it says in Revelation 20, to rule and reign with Christ. And when we come to trumpets, we're going to see how the return of Christ is actually, as revealed in the book of Revelation, going to take place. And it's going to be an awesome thing indeed. So I just wanted to review and rehearse these things in Colossians, the second chapter, and bring out some of the basic things concerning them so that we know and understand that it doesn't make any difference what anyone out, as we will say in the world, says about what we are doing as long as we're doing the will of God and keeping his commandments and loving him and doing what is right. So, we won't have live streaming on the Feast of Trumpets because all of you will have it at different times wherever you're located. But next Sabbath, we'll have live streaming. So we'll end services for today. And thank you for tuning in.